Thank you. Praise God. What an honor and a privilege it is to stand before you to minister the Word of God. Thank you, Pastor, for allowing us to minister to the sheep that have been given to your assignment. Amen. Praise God. Well, how many of you are happy tonight? How many of you feel the presence of the Lord? Of course, we should feel the presence of the Lord all the time. Isn't that right? Amen. He's a, a very present entity in the time of need in our life, and we always need him. So he's always there. And so he's here tonight. I have a specific assignment that the Lord's given to me, and uh, uh, we're not going to teach real long, but uh, we're going to see what he does. Amen. I believe that God wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can even ask and or think. I don't care how many times you've been prayed for. If you have a need tonight in your physical body, even though you've been prayed for it, I want you to come forward and we're going to pray over you. There's an anointing here tonight. There's an anointing that I've been praying and believing God will flow through my life. You know, Jesus said, of myself I can do nothing. But the Father in me, how many of you know he can do everything? Psalm 68 verse 1 says, let God arise and his enemies will be scattered. Whenever you came into a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Godhead came into you, into you bodily. And we'll, we'll see in just a few moments, there's a particular portion of scripture that I'm going to read to you that you're all very familiar with, heard many of teaching and preaching on it and everything else, but there's something that this individual did that shows you some of what we need to be doing in order to get the results that we're all desiring to get. And so that's my assignment tonight is to bring that to you so that you can activate that tonight in your life so that you can get the results that you need. After pastoring for 41 years, uh, we've seen just about everything. There's not much that we haven't seen. I've seen blind eyes open, deaf ears unstopped, seen the, the lame to walk, the demon possessed to be set free, just supernatural things. One in particular, I don't know if I've shared this with you or not, but one in particular, when we, we had a ministry over in the Philippines as well with another pastor, and he and I would take turns going back and forth to the Philippines. We had a Bible school there that was uh, very successful and, and everything else. And we would go over and during the, during the uh, daytime, we would meet with all of the, the leaders and the pastors, evangelists, apostles, and so forth. And we would minister to them all day long. And then at night, we have open air crusades. And in those open air crusades, I'm telling you, the people came out of the woodwork. I mean, thousands upon thousands of people would come out and you'd see some of the most phenomenal things. Well, there was one in particular that, uh, that I saw didn't have anything to do with me laying hands on them, speaking to them or anything. Uh, 
Matter of fact, nobody did. All it was was the atmosphere had been created so that it became conducive for the, the, the God that we love and that we serve and the Holy Spirit, who is a gentleman, came into the midst of the congregation and there was a blind man that was old back probably 15 yards away from the platform and he was totally blind, been blind from birth. Uh, he, they didn't have money to protect and to do different things for his eyes and so forth or to cover them up, whatever. But you, you could tell he was totally blind. His, his eyes were, he had no pupils. He had, uh, all it was was just a, a white, milky-looking uh, eyeball. That's what it was. And so as, as the uh, people were praising and magnifying the Lord, uh, I looked down and several other ministers, we looked down and we just happened to see this, this guy and all of a sudden, some color appeared in his eyeball. And we couldn't, we couldn't figure out what was going on. You know, the spiritual people that we are, you'd think we would discern everything. But we didn't. We didn't discern anything. You know, we were just, we were just caught and mesmerized by... What's happening with this guy? Is he manifesting some type of demonic force or what? You know, and I don't know why we think negative, you know, uh, but the disciples did it too. But at, at that point in time, it began to get more so and more so, more color. You could see that something was forming in his eyes and, and this guy was just like in a trance. He was just standing there. He had his hands lifted up. And it was obvious that God was doing something in his life. And all of a sudden, you could see that there were pupils. And it was just amazing. And then all of a sudden, this guy, he begins to move around. And he's looking around. And in his language, he started saying, I can see, I can see, I can see. I can see. He had never seen in his life. But yet the Holy Spirit of the living God and the people that created the atmosphere, it caused this man to be able to see. Well, you, you know what happens when miracles take place. Same thing that happened in Jesus' day. They flocked in, they gathered around, they got excited, they were jumping, they were hooping, they were hollowing, they were doing everything that you would do in the normal, clapping, still worshiping God, praising God, going around, hugging this man. Many of them who knew him knew that he had been blind from birth and everything else. But I'm telling you, our God is a God of the supernatural. And you know that. You're taught well here. You, you know that God's the God of the supernatural. And so I want you and I to prepare ourselves to see God do what he wants to do tonight. And it takes you creating an atmosphere that becomes conducive for that. Amen. It's not just singing a couple of songs. It's an attitude of the heart. One that is willing to press in to get what it is that God already has for you. Remember, it's the God in you. It's the God in you that will will and to do of his good pleasure. 
It is his good pleasure to give you the kingdom of God. He wants you to enjoy everything that pertains to natural life and spiritual life. Age has nothing to do with it. Even though as we get older, we have certain things that don't seem to work as well as others. Don't look at me like that. It is true. There's some things that you cannot do that you used to do when you were much younger. And so you and I need to prepare our hearts, though, that God is not limited by our limitations. When Jesus was filled with the Holy Ghost, he said he was given the Spirit without measure. In other words, he didn't put any restrictions. There was not one element of doubt in Jesus. You and I have been raised up in many times the spiritual ranks, and there's a lot of people that had a, and a lot of teachings that teach that God is not the healer. He doesn't heal everybody. Well, the truth of the matter is, is legally everybody's healed. It's already a done deal. The question is, is will I receive what it is that he's already given rights to me and to you to receive that? And so with that in mind, I, I'm just, I want to open up before I, I go to the, the text that I wanted to go to in the beginning. I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Hebrews 13, verse 8. It says, Jesus Christ... The same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same. What he was doing when he walked the earth, he is still doing today. He is the same. He is consistent. Nothing changes concerning what Jesus Christ came to do and to set up for you and I. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Everybody say the same. He's just the same. Malachi says, I am the Lord thy God, I change not. God is not going to change because of your denomination. He's not going to change because of your belief system. He's not going to change for anything. God is God. And God will never change. If he said it in his word, then he will hasten to his word and bring a performance. In that, if you and I will dare to believe it. Matthew eighteen nineteen. He says, again, I say unto you, this is not the first time he said it. He says, again, I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree, if you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done, it shall be done, it shall be done for them. It shall be done for them. Of my Father which is in heaven. It shall be. If you walk out of here and say, well, I sure hope it got done. 
You missed it. Wherefore didst thou doubt? Doubt is the enemy of your faith. If he says it, whether you fully understand it, have a revelation on it or not, does not change the fact that it is so. And you'll be a lot better off if you just go ahead and just say, I believe God. Rather than to believe something else. And how many of you know you have people that will gather around you that are your friends possibly and they'll say things to you like, well, I know somebody that had that same problem and they prayed and they didn't get anything. They, they, they asked God to heal them and they didn't get anything. Well, are we going to go by what we feel or are we going to go by what the word says? It doesn't make any difference what your body says. The word says and supersedes. How many of you are planning on going to heaven? Why are you planning on going to heaven? Because you have read in the word that God said that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Heaven is a part of your eternity. And you believe that and you've never seen it. How many of you believe in Jesus Christ? You were not there at the crucifixion. You did not see him die. You did not see him uh, at the whipping post. You might have seen some movies, but you didn't see him at the whipping post. You didn't see him hang on the tree. But yet you believe in a man you have never seen. and That he gave his life for you. That's your belief system called faith. You believe that and you've received that into your life. Healing and deliverance is no different than accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Faith operates the same way. It takes a believing and it takes a receiving into your life. So if there's something that you're going through physically right now, you don't have to go through it. Now, I believe you ought to do everything you possibly can do in the natural. But then I think you need to look to the supernatural. I'm not against doctors. Matter of fact, doctors get all their information from heaven anyway. They couldn't do anything that they do if it wasn't for God's uh, knowledge that he's given to mankind. So they can't take credit for any of this. And how many of you know that all physicians are practicing practitioners? <laughs> they're practicing. In other words, they're not experts yet. You're not going to be an expert until you can do what Jesus did. Amen. Not one scalpel. Not one blood transfusion. Did Jesus have to utilize to get the results that he was looking for. Third John 2 says, Beloved, to wish above all things that you prosper. Be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. There's a difference between being healed and being in health. You can't be in health without being healed. 
Have you noticed that John 3, 2, it basically only lists two things that the devil really, really works on. And you know what? He's been successful with sickness and finances. Sickness and disease and finances. He's been successful even in church people's lives, good church people's lives. He's been successful when in reality, Jesus came to set us free. To enjoy the fullness of what he has for you and I. Now, please don't get mad. But lots of things that we do, we blame the devil for. And it's not the devil's fault, it's our fault. If you go outside when it is bitter cold... And you don't dress appropriately for the bitterness and the cold that is outside. You're opening the door to get sick. Now, it's... Can I be so bold to say it's our stupidity for thinking that we can do something that we know better than to do. And then blame the devil for it. Now, I will admit, he jumps on the bandwagon just as soon as you start operating in that stupidity. He jumps right on the bandwagon and he manifests things in your life. But it wasn't his fault initially. It, it was the one that you look at in the mirror. Thank you for all your enthusiasm and excitement. Are you still with me? Go with me now, if you would, to Mark's gospel chapter 5. Starting at verse number 25. You all know the, these passages of scripture. He said, A certain woman, which had an issue of blood for 12 years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather she grew worse. When she heard of Jesus, when she had heard of Jesus, when she heard of Jesus, how many times have you been told that Jesus is Jehovah Rapha? Jehovah Sidkenu? Jehovah Reah? Jehovah Shalom? Shama. He is our all in all. He is everything that we, we have need of, and we have him. We have him. We possess him. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So we have him. The question is, is what are we doing with him? She grew worse. But when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and she touched his garment. For she said, for she said, for Phil needs to say, for Diane needs to say, for she said, if I may touch but the hem of his garment... 
if I may touch his clothes, he's, I shall be whole. I shall be whole. If I touch the bottom of his garment, which represented, how many of you know she lived underneath an old covenant? How many of you know Jesus hadn't died yet? How many of you know Jesus was filling, fulfilling the old covenant and introducing a new covenant? So Jesus was, and she knew that healing was available to her. Deuteronomy 28 talks about the blessing of Abraham. And in that is all of the healing that it says from every sickness, from every disease, from financial poverty, everything. The old covenant had promises of provision. But if you didn't function and operate in the provision, uh, which is found in Deuteronomy 28 verses 1 through 15. And then after that, verse 16 talks about the curse. Now I want you to know there's double the, the scriptures on the curse than there is on the blessing. It takes a whole lot more to live in sin and degradation than it does to live for God. Some people say it's hard to serve the Lord. Why is it hard to serve the Lord? He's made it so easy. The Bible says the wages of sin, you have to, you, you have to work for sin, man. You got to work at it. But to get eternal life, it's a free gift. It doesn't cost you anything. It's just a simply an acceptance of, I receive Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I believe in his death, burial, his resurrection, the shedding of his blood for the remission of my sin. I need to take care of me before I take care of anybody else. And so this woman knew that she had rights. She knew about Jesus. She knew he was a, a priest of God, a man of God. She knew, she didn't, may not know that he was the Messiah. She just knew that he was anointed by God. And she went after him because he wore a priestly garment and on the bottom of his garment were the tassels that represented the, the healing of the nations. So if she could just get to the bottom of his clothes and get to the healing that was rightfully hers because it was hers and she went after it. She said, but if I can touch him and notice that she says that before she ever gets to him, she makes a decision to do something about it. She knew that she had been suffering. She knew that she had been in the condition for 12 years and she suffered in many things concerning it. But she pressed through that crowd. She said, I shall be made whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood when she touched his garment was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Now, why did she get healed? Because she did something about it. She acted upon what she knew was rightfully hers. Now, we know that healing is rightfully ours. We know that. Look at your neighbor and say, I know that. So you and I have to come to that place where we say, listen, I'm going to get all that God's got. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. You ought to tell your friends, look, I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what you say. I'm going to get my healing. I'm going to get it. 
It's mine. It's mine. I'm going to get it. She went after it. And guess what? She got it. She felt in her body. Not that you go by feelings, but it's a good thing to feel. He said, feel after me that you might find me. It's a good thing to feel him. It's a good thing to feel the presence of the Lord. It's, it, it's a good thing to feel the anointing of God. Listen, when the Shekinah glory comes into the house of God, uh, you, you won't be able to stand most of the time because the anointing of the Shekinah glory of God gets is weighty. And it's not that it's weighty in a, in a hard way. It's, it's just weighty in the presence of God. You just can't get up. People fall underneath the power because the power of God gets so weighty on them, they can't stand up any longer, and they fall over. Now, I've seen people fall over that it wasn't the real deal. And that's the reason you have catchers. And it's the truth. That's the reason we had catchers is because there's those people that go through an emotional thing rather than just let God be God. And you get healed whether you're standing up, laying down, flipped over sideways, laying over something. You get healed regardless. You can be sitting right in your seat and God just move over you through the Holy Spirit and he just zaps you good and you get what you need. Well, I wanted you to see this because it's really important for the last scriptures we're going to give you. Then we're going to get down to business. And Jesus, Jesus immediately, well, it says, and straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Notice what it was. It was a plague. It was something that was not for her. It was a plague. It was nasty. It was a disease. It was going to kill her. But she got healed and she knew she was healed. How many of you got born again and you knew you got born again? I know when I got born again. September 1967. I know when I got born again. I know when I got filled with the Holy Ghost too. Changed my life just like it did yours and just like it did hers when she came in contact with him. You and I have access to him every day. The cool thing about it was that she had to press through a crowd to get to him and she was willing to do that. And how many of you know that she was unlawful in what she did? She could have been taken outside the city gates and been stoned to death because she had a disease, a blood disorder. And she could have been taken outside. According to the Levitical law, they could have stoned her to death. But they didn't because by the time they got to her, she was well. She was healed of that plague. Amen. Just like many of you, the devil has tried to get to you and he can't get to you because you've already been healed and delivered from that and set free. Amen. Praise God. And Jesus immediately knowing himself that virtue had gone out of him, he turned about him about in the press and he said, who touched my clothes? 
Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and thou sayest, Who touched me? He said, Everybody's touching you. Everybody around was touching him. Everybody that was close by that was pressing in to get to Jesus. But something different about her touch than their touch. And that touch was something called faith. And we'll see that in just a second. He said, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, she came and she fell down before him and told him all the truth. Well, I guess. Why wouldn't you tell the truth? I mean, something great has just happened. Something marvelous. Just like the the man that was blind. He said, I once was blind, but now I see. You know, I don't know who he is, where he is at, or anything else, but I'll tell you this one thing. I was once blind, but now I see. There's a big difference. And he said unto her, Daughter, he said, Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of that plague. Before we leave here tonight, if you're going to come down and be prayed for, I want you to expect, number one, that God is going to do something in your life. You need to have an expectancy yourself. I'm not the healer. I'm only a vessel that God can use to get in agreement with you. That's the reason I said in the beginning, if any two on this earth shall agree as touching anything that they ask, it shall be done of our Father which is in heaven. The other thing is, is if you're coming down front, do not be coming down front praying. Don't you pray. This is your time to receive. You need to be a receiver. Your focus should be on the master. And you need to, by eye of faith, see the master touching wherever it is in your life that you need to touch from heaven. You just lift up your hands and receive. Lifting of hands is a sign of surrender, whether you're in war or whether you're in the presence of Almighty God. Surrender to the Lord and let Him do in you His will and good pleasure in your life. Amen? That's what she did. She just went in the press. She touched the hem of His garment and she received. She she said, if I touch Him, I'm going to get it. She said, if I touch Him, I'm going to get it. If you and I touch heaven, we're going to get it. Because He's here. He's here. To will and to do exactly that. John's Gospel, chapter 14. If you put that up on the screen. Or excuse me, Acts chapter 10, verse 38 first. He said, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, 
who went about doing good. What did he go do? Good. And healing all. Everybody say all. What is the definition of all? All. He went about doing good and healing all. Have you read in your Bible where Jesus went to different crowds and he healed them all? Every one of them. Everyone that had a demon, he, he delivered them of the demon. Every disease was healed. Healed them all. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same. This church should be a church that has a testimony. Nobody is sick. Nobody is diseased. We're all perfectly well. I think it's the, it'd be the greatest thing to be able to let the, the, the world know that we have found a key in the kingdom of heaven that gives us the right that all of us can be healed. But pastor, you have all the doubt, fear, and unbelievers. But I want to tell you, if we have an agreement, doubt and fear will be arrested if we come together in agreement, the devil, even though he shows up for church more than you do, he is bound. When we bind him, he is bound. When we loose him, he is loosed. Sister Billy said, he's waiting for you to walk out the door so he can jump on you again. And that's the truth. The enemy doesn't have any rights to you. He doesn't have any rights to me. Pastor Phil, have you ever gone through anything? Oh, yeah. I sure have. I sure have. But greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. The word is still greater. The word is greater. Have you ever gone to a doctor? Yeah, I've gone to a doctor. They ask me whenever we fill out paperwork. You know, who is your family physician? I used to all the time write Jesus Christ. <laughs> and they say, no, 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 no. We're not talking about Jesus Christ. Who is your family physician? Jesus Christ. What is it that you don't understand about that? You ask me for honesty, who is my family physician? That's who my family physician is. Now, if you want to ask me what is the secondary, then I'll give you the name of the one that's on this planet called Earth that I go see that gives me physicals and all that kind of stuff. You know, but Jesus Christ has to be. We need to let him not only be the Lord of our hearts, but we need to let him become the Lord of our bodies. I'm not against doctors, so don't take it wrong. I'm not. Who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil? Notice who the oppression comes from? The devil. For God was with him. Now John 14, 12 through 14. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. Shall he do also. Look at your neighbor and say, Shall he do also. That's you. 
shall he do also. Oh, no, I thought it was for the evangelist, the pastor, the apostle, the prophet, and the teacher. No. Their job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Your job is to go lay hands on the sick and see them recover. That doesn't mean that they can't lay hands on the sick. They need to do that too. But your job is to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Your job is to cast out devils. I'll talk to this crowd. Come on. Don't sit down. Don't sit down. We have a commander in chief that is putting a demand on you and I to do the works that God has called us to do. He said, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me. How many believers do I have in here? He said, the works that I do shall he do also and greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my father. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. You're not going to get the credit. The Father's going to get the credit. Jesus is going to get the credit. If you shall ask anything, anything in my name, I will do it. Do you see that? That's what she did. She had an encounter with the Lord and she pressed in to get what was rightfully hers. And she wasn't going to be denied. Last scripture. 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. He says, my little children... These things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, if any man, if you've ever made any other mistakes, how many people have made mistakes in here since they become a Christian? The rest of you that didn't lift your hand, you're liars. <laughs> all have sinned and come short. We all still make mistakes. We don't know it all yet. We're, we're, we're arriving. We're, we're moving towards that mark. We're pressing. Paul the apostle didn't arrive either. He said, this one thing I do is putting behind. There's things he had to put behind. And it wasn't just his past of what he did. There was things, mistakes that he made. He, he, uh, he had a bad attitude towards John Mark. You just go read it in your Bible. He didn't think that he was fitting for the ministry. But later on, we find that he says, bring John Mark. He's fit for the ministry. They just didn't get along. They knocked heads. If you had been around Paul the Apostle, you'd probably knocked heads with him too. Well, that went over big. That you sin not, and if any man sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins. Another word for propitiation 
is your substitute. He substituted himself in your place so that you could become the righteousness of God in him. He became sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, For he became sin who knew no sin, or he made him to be sin, excuse me. He made him to be sin who knew no sin, that you might become the righteousness of God in him. Everything about Jesus and why he came was all about you and all about me. Because we couldn't do this. We couldn't defeat the devil. We don't need to try to fight the devil. The devil's already a defeated foe. He's already lost. You know what the penalty for his high treason has been. It's recorded in the Word of God. And you know what Jesus has accomplished for you so that you can enjoy the newness of life. And you don't get newness of life after you go to be to heaven. You go get newness of life whenever you're born again. You just start your journey of eternity. And when you die, you just step out into what you've been called to. Amen. And he is the perpetuation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. So there's not one person that Jesus didn't take care of whenever he says, it is finished. John 10, 10. This is the last scripture. John 10, 10. For the thief cometh not, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that you might have life and have that life more abundantly. So if there's something being stolen from you, if there's something that is dying, if there is something that has been stolen, it's dying, or being destroyed. If your marriage is being destroyed, it's not God. If things are being stolen from you, if your finances are being stolen from you, it's not God. If you are physically dying because of a sickness or a disease, it is not God. And Jesus said, I've come to set that captive free here. I've come to give you life and that life more abundantly. That life he's talking about is the Zoe life, the God kind of life. I want the musicians, if you come on. My assignment tonight was to deliver that part to you, but then to share with you a time of getting in agreement. You in the congregation, if you, if you don't need to come down, that's fine. You're not going to hurt my feelings at all. 
But the Lord wants you completely well. We're just zero in on one thing tonight. He wants you well. And if there's an area in your life that you need a touch from heaven, I want to get in agreement with you according to the word of God and believe with you that God brings a manifestation now. Right now. We open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. The working of miracles, the gifts of healings. We invite the Holy Spirit to come and to move. We can't force this and make it happen. It's as the Spirit wills. But He must be given an audience, the opportunity to appear on the scene. And to help implement into your life and my life so that I can be well. Well, physically. If that's you, come on down. I don't care how many people prayed for you. 